0: Good, and praise God, those scriptures at the end, so powerful, so true. So uh, I'm going to speak for just around 20 minutes, Uh, it's not very long, and uh, then we're going to head outside and we're going to baptize Lewis, but um, just before I do, um, I thought, I'll pray, (laughs) because I want God to speak to you today. I want the almighty loving God to meet with you today, so I'm going to ask him to do that. Father God, we praise you, we thank you for who you are, the loving God, the just God, the God who is with us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, and we thank you that he rose again and he sent the Holy Spirit to fill each of us. We pray, come and touch this room right now. Come and fill this room, Lord, with your presence, for your glory. Amen. Amen. So, what's in this box? What is in my box? The answer to that question is currently unknown. <laughs> it might be a donut might be a disco ball. It might be nothing. But there is an answer to that question, but the box question remains unresolved for now. You see, nowadays we have answers. We have lots of answers to almost everything. And, and I don't know about you, but these days I often find uh, not having the answer kind of annoying. And I think one of the reasons for that is we've got so much information available to us. 20 years ago, I was a teenager, believe it or not. And uh, I, I don't think I cared quite as much as a teenager. I was quite happily bumbling along, just having a good time, not knowing everything, but then not having to either. And so I was quite enjoying life. But nowadays, nowadays, I want to know stuff. I want to know things. And I reckon, like I said, one of the reasons is, is because I can. And uh, I'm just going to give you a little example of this, um, how easy it is um, to get some information when you need it. Hey, Google. How many species of bat are there in the UK? We are lucky enough to have 18 species of bat in the UK, 17 of which are known to be breeding here. Ah. That's almost a quarter of our mammal species. Ah, there you go. I'll tell you what, it gets better. Hey, Google, tell us a joke. Why did the scarecrow keep getting promoted? Because he was outstanding in his field. Ah, awful, (laughs) awful joke. See, it can give you information, but it can't improve your joke repertoire. That is awful, isn't it? But truthfully, we know this, don't we? Google's got a lot of information, but even that online world can provide misinformation, false news, fake news, biased or simply untrue things. We know that. It wasn't until September the 4th, 1998, when none of us had the option to use Google. And how do I know that? Well, I Googled it. But we didn't have the option. And in the 20th century, people used books made of paper. And that's where the answers resided. And before that, before they had books and literacy was a lot lower, they had to talk and share information face to face. They might have had an elderly relative who knew a lot of stuff because they'd been around a long time. Might have had a parent or a trusted friend. But even then, when you're going for information or you're going to find something out, you have to use a trusted source. And as we know, not all sources can be trusted. I heard of a a plasterer once who had an apprentice, and that apprentice had been taught to do exactly what his, his boss told him to do. And so one day his boss said to him, Hey mate, I want you to go down to the builder's merchant. I want you to get these things. I want you to get screws, plasterboard, two bags of plaster, and a long weight. And so off he went. He asked for everything they had, screws, plasterboard, two bags of plaster, and a long weight. And they brought it all to him. And then they went away and said, we'll be back soon needless to say he was there for quite a long time what was the last thing on the list a long wait and that's exactly what he got not all sources can be trusted you have to know who you are talking to if you're going to find out correct or accurate or trustworthy information and no no no, no doubt that apprentice was much more wary and discerning next time after that little prank but how do we get to the bottom of questions then? Well, questions that don't have a sound by answer from Google, can't be found online. What do we do? Well, when from our perspective, we can't see in the box. We have to go looking. We have to go and investigate. And there's good news for you today because we're not the fierce people who have this desire, this need in us uh, to find out the truth. And thankfully, the Bible points to a solution for us from about 2,000 years ago. And so We're going to turn to a book in the Bible in the New Testament called John's Gospel, written by, can you guess? John. And uh, John was one of Jesus' best friends, one of his disciples, and he wrote a biography about him. He wrote Jesus' story down, and there are three others in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well. And so we're going to turn to that, uh, where we find a story in the third chapter about a guy called Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is a man desperate for some answers, It's a time in Jesus' life where he's about 30 years old. He's begun his public ministry. He's been a carpenter up until that point, learning from his dad. But he leaves that to become a teacher and a rabbi in Israel. And he's called his first disciples. And he's started doing some wonderful miracles that have caused a stir. And word has got around, as it did back in those days. You couldn't follow people on Twitter back then. You literally had to follow them. And it sounds a bit stalky, but actually back then it was normal and they follow people around to hear what they said to see what they did and so whispers have been starting to occur about maybe this guy maybe this guy is the messiah the long awaited savior of israel and this man nicodemus he's a pharisee and he's one of those who has read all the scripture available memorized a lot of it but understood it all or so he believes because he wants to live right he is a Pharisee, which means a separatist. He literally separates himself from people he knows are sinful, people who do wrong. So anyone who does wrong, he's like, get back. He treats sin like a contagious disease. He doesn't want to catch it off them. And so he is the personification of the phrase, holier than thou, because he walks around thinking he's holier than thou. And therefore, he wants to find out from Jesus, because he sees... Jesus and he thinks there's something about this guy. And Jesus has started transforming lives and so he's interested and he doesn't want all the other Pharisees to know and so he goes at night time to find him. And so we're going to read about this in John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus. It's mainly a conversation um, which we're going to follow. It says this, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, but no one could perform the signs you are doing, the miracles, if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. (laughs) How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born Nicodemus is on a mission. He's on a mission to find out the facts and he's heard about Jesus. He's come at night to avoid those unhelpful associations with this radical teacher and he wants privacy and he wants to know the truth about who Jesus is and what he is up to. And clearly Nicodemus has heard or seen something he just can't explain. Something transformative, something radical has happened in the lives of the people that Jesus has touched and met and spoken with that he can't get his head around. Jesus has started to turn water into wine at a wedding. Then he's healed a person who had deaf ears, and then he's uh, been doing some miraculous things, liberating people from demons and oppression. It's the kind of things that you would expect God to do, which is why he wants to find out what he's doing in Israel. And so Jesus says something very interesting to him. He says very truly, as if anything could be very truly, but it means it's very true that I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. See, the kingdom of God? Be born again? So Nicodemus, he takes Jesus at his word, and he asks the next logical question, which is so human, I love it. He says, how can someone be born when they are old? (laughs) Nicodemus is asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? A crucial question, because everyone knows they don't want to do birth in reverse. And everybody knows that you don't want to give birth to a full-grown man. That's not going to go well. Well done, Nicodemus. Nice one. So Jesus replies, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, natural birth. But the Spirit gives birth to spirit, supernatural birth. So you can't see God's kingdom unless you're born again. You can't enter God's kingdom unless... You're born of water and the Spirit, unless you're born again. So Jesus, you're probably going to need to explain this, is what I propose Nicodemus was thinking. And he does. But the crucial thing is, who he is talking to. In the preceding passage to this in John chapter 2, it says that Jesus knows what is in man. Jesus, you see, knows what's in Nicodemus's heart, and he knows what's in every heart in this room. Because he's Jesus. He knows that he's talking to someone in Nicodemus who's always tried to do the right thing, who's been religious, and he's been religious about staying righteous. But he also knows that no human can ever claim to be perfect. I don't think any of us can claim to be perfect. We've all told a lie. We've all sinned in one way or another in word or deed. And even, our out, even if our outward appearance seems spotless, our heart and our mind are corrupted by sin. It's how we describe it in the Bible. Wrong thoughts are sin. They plague us. We struggle perhaps with pride, or we pretend to be better than we are, or we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're actually good. And at this point, I'm able to identify with Nicodemus a little bit, because when I was raised up in a church, um, uh, I I was taught to be good. I was taught to be morally good. I was taught to be better than the, the person on my left, basically. I was just taught, be good. Don't rob a bank. Try and do the right thing. Don't hurt anyone, and then you'll be considered to be good. That's what I was raised to think. And I thought that you had to do more good than bad in order to get into God's kingdom. I thought that to get to heaven when I died, I just had to be more good than I was bad to get on God's good side. But Jesus points out here that it's not our own efforts that save us. Works, doing good stuff, cannot save us from the sin at the heart of the matter, which is in my heart and your heart. You see, before I was born again at the age of 18 at a festival, Christian festival, I was facing God's judgment quite rightly. And I was facing hell before I met him, before I believed, before I did what Lewis did, repented and believed in Jesus. That's the reality. Because my works couldn't save me. And Jesus is trying to show Nicodemus this, that unless God raises a person's dead soul to life, then they cannot see the living God or his kingdom, and they cannot be saved by their own works alone. You see, in order to be born again, first something has to die, or more specifically, someone has to die if they're going to be born again, and that's what is being reflected today in Lewis's baptism. See, as Lewis described, having discovered the truth about Jesus, he's confessed his sin. He's acknowledged the problem And he's gone to the only solution there is, which is Jesus. And on the 30th of November, he repented, which means he turned away from his old life, his sinful life, and he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And in that moment, the old self died with all its shame, with all its guilt, with all its baggage, and it died with Jesus on the cross. That's what happened. That's what we described at Just Looking. And so you could say that Lewis has gone from womb to tomb across 22 years. You could say it that way. You could say that he's now been resurrected into new life with Jesus. Though physically he won't be reborn, which his mum will be delighted to hear, spiritually he has been reborn. It's a wonderful moment and we're going to experience this. We're actually going to see it later on because. When Lewis is in that pool with me and Dan either side, when he goes down into the water, Lewis is saying this. He's saying, Lord Jesus, you died on the cross for me. From now on, my old life is dead. I've broken with the sins of the past. When he's under the water, and he will be under the water, but not for too long, so please don't panic. But he will be under the water, all of him. When he's under there, you won't be able to hear it, but in his heart, He'll be saying, Lord, just as you were buried in the tomb, so my old sinful life is now buried in the water. This baptism is my funeral. That's what he's saying. And then when he comes up victoriously out of the water, he's saying, yeah, he's saying this, Lord, you were raised from the dead by God's power. And by that power, I can now live a totally new life. Glory. Amen. Yes. And so today, Lewis is being born of water. And there's a lot of water at natural birth, as you might know, some of you. And it's also associated with spiritual birth as well. Born of water and born of the Spirit. And as we're bringing him up, we're going to bring him back inside because it's warm. And then we're going to pray for him as well to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with supernatural strength. Because believe it or not, Lewis is still going to mess up. He's still going to sin, even though he's a Christian now but God's grace abounds to cover that because Jesus died once and for all, for him, for you, for me, for everyone. And so that's why we are going to lift him up and ask God to fill him, to help him give God glory with the rest of his life. And so just to speak briefly on being born of the Spirit, it's, it's a wonderful moment. And on the 30th of November, that regeneration, that Spirit came to life in Lewis. You said you got really hot, right? Well, it's interesting because in the Scriptures, uh, the Holy Spirit's associated with fire. And if you know, fire in the right context brings heat and it brings light, doesn't it? And in another context, industrial, some of you might know, it burns things up to refine them. It burns up crud around metal and it leaves behind a pure substance. And that's why we're going to say, come Holy Spirit, fill Lewis to burn up anything, less, anything that's left from the old life and remove it so that he can have a pure heart. We're going to pray for him to be set as spiritually... A flame in public so that he would be empowered to tell other people about Jesus. Clearly, he's done pretty well so far. Well done, Lewis. Good job. <laughs> Keep going. And and being baptized in the spirit like that, being born of the spirit, is a bit like when you turn the boiler on at home, which it won't be very often at the moment. That's okay. But it's setting, it's setting that pilot light and then giving it some fuel, and it goes. Like that. Well, that's what we're praying for spiritually will happen today. And also, it's much cheaper than turning on the heating. So, uh, we're going to do that for Lewis and pray for that. And he can pray for the Holy Spirit to fill him every day. It's an ongoing process. You don't just do it once and stop. We believe you continually go back to Jesus for more. And so, today, you're not just witnessing some grown men with their clothes on getting wet. That isn't what you're just going to witness. You're actually witnessing a supernatural event. And if you read the Old Testament like Nicodemus has, well, you'd know that God's Holy Spirit was foretold uh, to be poured out on everyone after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And we're pleased to say that he is. And this was Lewis's experience when he was born again. And he didn't just get hot, just randomly. It's because God met with him and that rebirth took place. And you've discovered the effects, I should imagine, of Lewis uh, putting his faith in Jesus. And it wasn't just a human event. It was a supernatural event. This is from God. And it's a little bit mysterious, which I understand Claire's word earlier on about anxiety, because something that's beyond your experience can be a little bit scary and and make you anxious. But Jesus goes to lengths to explain this. And I love it. In verse 7, he says this to Nicodemus, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Only God can do that. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus is a scholar. He knows everything there is to know about the ancient scriptures, and Jesus calls him out. He says, yeah, you know all that stuff, but you must be born again. It's not about what you know. It's about where you put your faith. It's not about what you do. It's about trusting that Jesus has done everything you ever could or need to do to be saved. In other words, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do to turn your own life around. You could get all the self-help books in the world, but you still wouldn't be able to do it on your own because you're not God. Only God can bring true transformation, and only God saves people when they recognize their need for saving. This is one of the biggest challenges for us today as followers of Jesus, is convincing people they need saving. You really do need saving. If you're not saved, you You cannot uh, save yourself. You face eternal judgment if you don't come to Jesus. That's a true and and fair warning. And it's the most loving thing Christians can do is warn you. And we can do it in a kind way. We don't have to shout at you on a street corner. We can do it in a really gentle and kind way and say, we urge you to take this seriously. And, uh, And we're doing that again today. And so why does Jesus talk about the wind? Well, when the wind blows in a big storm, you hear it, right? And you heard the effects of Jesus on Lewis just now. You see, And some, who knows, who's known Lewis for like five years or more? Oh, no, I haven't. Sorry, why am I putting my hand up? Yeah, well done. <laughs> if you have, have you seen the effects in his life since he put his faith in Jesus? Yes. Yes. That's because when the wind comes and storms, a tree gets blown down and you see the effects. When it storms, you hear it you'll know that he's radically different from before. And that's because God has poured into his heart. He's placed his Holy Spirit inside this man so that you might witness God's power, so you might have an opportunity to find out more about Jesus who claims and is the way, the truth, and the life. He's been saved by faith alone, by grace alone, and we are so grateful to God for that. So, before we finish, what about you? Do you want to find out what's in the box? Who's been sitting there like gripping their chair like, please show us what's in the box, please? Well, I am going to show you what's in the box. Whose keys are these? Lewis's keys. I'll tell you why I've got Lewis's keys in the box. It's because these keys actually tell a better story than over a year ago. They're important because they tell of how Lewis used them to get To that bridge on that night. And he went to the bridge in utter darkness, like Nicodemus went to Jesus in utter darkness. And then God sent a man to Lewis in the same night to pray for him. No one knows where that man came from, and none of us know where that man was going. A bit like the wind. You see, he came and he prayed and he went, and something supernatural took place that night. Lewis didn't fully understand, but he chose to investigate the alleged source, who was Jesus. He chose to go after him and find out. And after that evening, those unanswered questions resounded in Lewis's heart and head. Who was that man? What happened that night? And Dan answered it for him. God saved you. That's what he said. These same keys enabled Lewis to drive to church and experience supernatural love in the room. The same keys brought Lewis to the Just Looking course with me, where we hung out. And we still hang out, by the way. And he asked more questions. And I said to him at the start of the course, Lewis, I'm going to present what's in the Bible to you. I'm never going to force you to believe anything you don't want to believe. Plenty of people have done Just Looking and walked out going, no thanks. Don't think it's true. And that's okay. We love them all the same. He came to Just Looking with these keys, and he realized that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that all who believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And you have eternal life, which is wonderful. And so with the evidence we found in the Bible at Just Looking and the experience of others shared with Lewis about their faith in this wonderful God, he turned his faith into action. He took a step of repentance and believed in Jesus and asked him to fill him with his his spirit. You see, Lewis has found the light in a world that is asleep. Lewis has found the good shepherd who died for his sheep. And now he's entered God's kingdom. He could see it dimly, vaguely, perhaps at the start, but he came to a point where he saw it clearly. And that's our heart for everyone else. You see, you and Nicodemus have got some things in common. Lewis. Both went in search of the truth. Both found him named to be Jesus, and both were born again. We learn that later in the Gospels, that Nicodemus comes back again as a believer in the story. So are you ready? Are you ready to do the same in the same way that you were ready to see what was in the box? Well, the kingdom of God is vast. It's full of new life, but there's plenty of space for more. There's plenty of space for more people like Lewis, and I just want you to imagine for a moment if we all went in pursuit of the truth about Jesus. If we all went after the one true God who loved us so much that he died and rose. Imagine walking around secure, anxiety-free, fear-free, knowing you are loved, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, knowing that by God's grace alone you'll do the next 20 years. If all were born again, the effects would be massive in our own lives but they'd be even bigger in the lives of the people around us. Just imagine having a fresh start. Well, that's what's in the box for every man, a woman, a child who decides to go and investigate Jesus and find out more. If you come and you let me know or you let one of us know, then we'll happily walk that journey with you. And you could start a whole new book. When, when Lewis said to me, uh, when, he'd been born, when he was born again, he said to me, ah, oh, this is like a whole new chapter in my life. And I said, no, it's not. It's a whole new book. It's a brand new story, a better story. And so I want to encourage you, make 2023 the year you do a Nicodemus. Make it the year you do a Lewis and investigate who Jesus is, why he died, why it matters to us today and into eternity. My encouragement is for you to pursue the truth and not stop until you find it. And I'll happily pray for anyone here today who wants to do that or just wants to meet with God right now, because he can do that as well. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go, oh, and then I'm going to give you some information, and then we're going to go outside and baptize Lewis. Let's pray, and I'll pray for you, and uh, yeah, and we'll move. Father, we thank you for the truth about Jesus. We thank you for the way you love to pour out love on people, but you want them to know about your justice as well. You want them to be aware that you care enough to let them choose you that you love them enough to let them walk away, but you will love it so much more if they walk towards you. We pray people would come to believe. We pray people would come and repent and follow Jesus. And we pray for anyone here today who has experienced you and wants to know more. Lead them, Lord, with your light at their feet. Lead them so they can see your kingdom and enter into it, we pray. Amen. Amen. Do come and see me if you want to find out more about Just Look.